The Crude Life, every Monday through Thursday with a week in review on Friday. Happy Monday to you. Welcome to the Crude Life here, the Crude Life podcast. Excuse me. I am still getting into the flow of this podcast thing. So used to coming out with a radio station intro, but hey, we're in the podcast world now. So anything flies, we get to implement our esoteric energy concept. You know, here at the esoteric, by the way, before we get into esoteric energy on a Monday which for some, it might be time for some more coffee if we're using words like esoteric on a Monday. But I would do want to interview, uh, introduce our entitled intern, Provolone. How are you doing today, Provolone? Oh, that's right. You cannot talk yet because you do not have the correct access and the authority to use your talk button because you're still under probation due to behavioral things that happened last week. So we can get into those here today on this podcast. Or we can just, you know, let sleeping dogs lie. And, you know, when I talked to your parents this weekend, Mama and Papa Oil and Gas Company, Mama OGC, Papa OGC, your parents who are the owners of a modest oil and gas company who, by the way, to quote Papa OGC, my son is majoring in entitlement at the university. He thought he was sending you to the university to learn hard work and this and that. Well, lo and behold, he's finding out that you were learning entitlement. So he sends you over to the crude life here because he knows we need all the help we can get over here. We work in oil and gas. Not only do we need help with, you know, oil, you talk to anybody in oil and gas, they're trying to figure out how to make two bucks into five bucks. That's just a daily thing, unless you got $100 oil. So, provolone, lesson one today on this Monday. Lesson two, you're just, it doesn't matter if you're the CEO or if you are the sales manager or you're the actual janitor, the trash needs to be taken out. And it doesn't matter who you are, someone's going to do it. I mean, do you know how many CEOs of big Fortune 500 companies that are energy companies still take out the trash? How many guys you, you can still call and you actually get their direct line? And they got, you know, billions after their name. It's, it's remarkable. It's a remarkable industry. So you are going to learn a little bit about that here. And um, next time, yeah, I'm going to let everybody know why you're not able to speak today. Next time we order lunch for you, and you know we the, the company pays for the lunch, and it's just you know a quick trip to the deli, just pick up half a dozen sandwiches. Um, don't put the hat and the 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 t-shirt on the company tab. The the hat and the t-shirt that you bought impulsely at the register to flirt with the curt cute girl working behind the counter. That's not part of lunch, buddy. I, I, I know it, it 
seemed like a good idea at the time. And I probably would have done the same thing if I was in your shoes. That's why, that's why we're here today. So you can learn these lessons of life. You see, you don't get this type of, you don't get this type of education at the university. They don't teach you life like this. Here at the crude life, you're living the crude life, buddy. Provolone. Okay, now let's see how you did on headlines today. We're going to get to that in just a second, though. What do we got on today's docket, if you will? Well, Lauren Scott is going to be Dr. Lauren Scott. Excuse me, Dr. Lauren Scott. He's the energy and expert and economist. Uh, excellent guest, by the way. He's what's known as a heavyweight in the industry. He does a lot of consulting to some major companies. And I know he does a forecasting for the state of Louisiana when it comes to uh, energy and the economy. He was a uh, professor at Louisiana State. Oh, national champions now, uh, Louisiana State. So uh, very fortunate whenever we can get uh, Dr. Lauren C. Scott on. Uh, basically, what we're going to do is just get an update from Lake Charles and what's going on with the petrochemical plants down there, the petrochemical industry. And as well as uh, that, we'll just get kind of a Louisiana update, you know, because he's boots on the ground down there. That's that's where he's located, uh, although he covers uh, global um, energy and economy. But uh, Lake Charles, a little petrochemical update and Louisiana coming up in just a moment or two. And then we're going to check in with a reclamation conference happening in Dickinson, North Dakota, at the Ramada Grand Dakota Hotel and Conference Center, February 25th and 26th, Miranda Meehan with North Dakota State University. Uh, she's part of the conference, the Reclamation Workshop. Uh, basically, it gives us an opportunity to talk a little bit about some reclamation practices that are happening, as well as some new innovation, some speakers, and then quickly what's going on at the conference. So, uh, fun interview a little bit later with Miranda. I love reclamation. That's that's really, I, I think, where the energy industry is going to shine over the next five years. When you look at this environmental movement that's happening, and it's happening at a pace that I don't think anybody quite understands, this is why reclamation needs to take the forefront right now because, or I don't know if it needs to, but it's one of the arguments why it should be considered because the oil and gas industry has done a fantastic job with reclamation and just respecting the land in a way that uh, should be really showcased. So Miranda Meehan, North Dakota State University, discusses the reclamation workshop uh, February 25th, 26th, happening at the Ramada Grand Dakota Hotel Conference Center in Dickinson, North Dakota. Uh, all that information, by the way, links and et cetera, is available at thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. That's my radio voice there. So now let's get to headlines. Is that what we're doing next year is headlines? Okay, I like headlines. Let's see what you got for us here today. Boulder County Public Health Hails New Oil and Gas Regulations. See, this is, okay, I'm going to read more. Hang on. Group says rules are momentum shifting victory in rule making process. Can I speak yet, Provolone? Because this is just the Headline and the subbing subheadline is enough to make me go nuts. By the way, folks, what, what we're doing right now is we're reading headlines like everybody in the world where you read the headline, a couple paragraphs, and then that's it. You just move on, you make your decisions, and you just, that's the way you live your life. And that's the way most people do read headlines. So we're looking at the way the media frames the first couple 
paragraphs, if you will, and headlines. So uh, when we look at Boulder County, public health hails new oil and gas regulations. And then go down to the story. The Colorado Air Quality Control Commission approved new rules designed to minimize statewide emissions from oil and gas operations on Thursday. Boulder County Public Health hailed the decision as a major victory in the ongoing debate surrounding the Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment and the Colorado Oil and Gas Conservation Commission's congruent rulemaking process. Okay, so I'm not even going to finish that because that's, that's a lot of words, and, and we were going to be done after. Okay, I'll finish it. Following the passage of Senate Bill 181 that is linked. Okay, so the, the actual paragraph that's got information in it, Boulder County Health, is really boring. You just keep going with long words and uh, the average person's going to lose interest. So let's take a look at the other ones for a second. This is, I mean, this this is remarkable, this story. Um, even the opening paragraph, the Colorado Air Quality Control Commission approved new rules designed to minimize statewide emissions from oil and gas operations on Thursday. So that's it's directed right at oil and gas. I mean, not other industry, oil and gas. So I know that Colorado's got a, a booming cannabis industry. And the last time I checked, a few years ago, when I did some stories for some national cannabis magazines, when the energy industry was in a downturn and I was trying to figure out new industries to, to write and uh, cover news for, Lo and behold, I found out the cannabis industry used a lot of power, a lot of power. And they sent, they, they, they put off a lot of scent, nose pollution. I mean, stinky nose, nose pollution. So this is, this is unbelievable here where, um, yeah, it's just right, right in the opening paragraph. So it's, a, it's a very, it's directed at a specific industry. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, whatever. I'm not going to use those words yet. Okay, Bull, here's the paragraph part. Boulder County Public Health hails new oil and gas regulation. Group says rules are momentum shifting victory in rulemaking process. So what we've got here is that, for one, this is something that we've been trying to explain on the crude life for at least five years. And out of Colorado, actually, is, is where we would talk about it. Um, this is a public health debate. That's what the energy industry now has become. And that's what we've been trying to explain to people is that very much like the public health debate with cigarettes and restaurants and smoking, the oil and gas industry, whether it should be an industry or not, is now a public health debate. Okay? So look at the story now. Boulder County Public Health hails new oil and gas regulations. Next Subheading, group says rules are a momentum-shifting victory in rulemaking process. Folks, it's, it's a war on oil and gas. It's a victory. It is a, even the media is calling it what it is. They're, they have no problem using extremely leading, extremely poignant, extremely... Um, I mean, I'll, I'll, I mean, it's, it, you would almost say sensational if it wasn't really actually true because these activist groups no longer care about what is good for the people and what's good for the environment and what's good for 
the economy for, they don't care about the economy at all, but they certainly, not the environment. They just care about winning. And we're at a day and age where Jesse the Body Ventura, former governor, Jesse the Body Ventura, former pro wrestler, Jesse the Body Ventura, his quote is now making him philosopher, Jesse the Body Ventura, when it comes to today's activism, which is, win if you can, lose if you must, but always cheat. I mean, that's really what's going on here because nobody, the gloves are off and people are using the environment and energy as a, as a way to make a living. And then it just becomes whether you win or lose. So it's interesting now that that's the way the media is starting to frame these things. So good. By the way, I, I'm, I'm sure you knew all this, Provolone. See, this is esoteric energy. This is, you know, we throw the script out here. We throw the script out here. This is 100% organic, man. We just wing it, throw out the script, and we just do it. It's organic. Jason Spies is 100% natural, baby, with this podcast. You bet. We're just, you know what? It's, it's not for everybody. It's not for everybody. Some people like to live in the day-to-day and just get caught up. And some people like to just go through the motions of life, jump on the hamster wheel and just let it go. Just grab on and let the hamster wheel do the work sometimes. And when it suits them, jog a little bit. Not me, man. Not me. No way. I like living the crude life. The oil and gas industry, it's, it's hard to even allow that lifestyle and mindset. Not us. No. Wing it. Natural. Confidence. That, yeah, see, that's what we're talking about, Provolone. All right, let's go to the next headline here because I got a little preachy on that last one, by the way. I'm, I'm sure you did notice that. Um, see, I, I, th- stuff bothers me. Yeah, stuff does bothers me. All right, let's see what you got for the next one here. Op-ed. You know, normally I do not like you to do op-eds, Provolone. I like you to do headlines. That's the news. Um, If they don't call it an op-ed and try to, you know, swindle one by us, that's, hey, we fell for it. That's that's what this is all about. So normally when they say op-ed, I try not to do those. But, hey, again, this is, you are, this you're in charge of this. So... I'm just, you know, mentoring you right here on the podcast because I don't want to do it later. And at the same time, just letting you know where I'm at. But you'll probably give me an op-ed tomorrow because, hey, this is, you are the one who's driving this ship. I'm I'm just a, really a role in, in your play. This is all about you, Provolone, okay? Because this is, this is, the podcast is what you're overseeing. I'm, I'm the old man with the, doing the radio and magazines and yelling at the newspaper and all that different stuff. So, okay. Op-ed, time for lawmakers to protect public health. See, you do have a theme here, by the way. And this is just, you know, I'm not going to get too much into it. But uh, when a new year's begin, it's time for many people to reflect on their successes and failures in the prior year. Our government should be doing the same thing at the start of 2020. It should start by evaluating its actions and failures to regulate the shale gas industry. On November 22nd, the Pennsylvania Department of Health finally authorized a study to investigate if shale gas operations have raised the risk of childhood cancers and other health risks in southwestern Pennsylvania. So, Provolone, I know what you're doing. You're you're reacting to me last week in the lunchroom complaining about the public health uh, how this is a public health thing and, and it's not an industry thing. And, and we're trying to figure out how to let the industry know that's really what the fight's all about, a public health thing. So I get the 
abundance of, of headline stories. I appreciate that. But what you did here was very actually quite clever and quite genius. So I'm going to call it serendipitous, if you will. And what you did was you, you showed how uh, on several different states, the public health debate is coming out and it's coming to the government. And they're using cancer and air quality and, and uh, the planet is going to die in 10 years. They're using some very strong fear, some very strong emotional connections. So I, you, you stumbled into it very nicely. So what, what I'm taking from this is that get ready for anything in 2020. I mean, right now in Pennsylvania... There's op-eds going in major newspapers asking people to mobilize against the Department of Health in Pennsylvania due to childhood, childhood cancers, not even adulthood, childhood cancers. Those headlines are available at thecrudelife.com. We have the links there as well. Uh, thank you very much. Pro oh, that's right. We have one more. That's right. We do three every day here at The Crude Life. And... Uh, the third one is normally kind of fun. It's normally not related to oil and gas, I've noticed. So um, thank you for that, by the way. That's, see, that's smart. That's smart um, thinking there. Uh, and ended on something fun. So environmental implications of lead, acid, and lithium-ion batteries. Okay, let's see what the article says because that's the headline. And the article says the single biggest environmental issue with lead acid Batteries involves the lead component of the battery. Lead is a heavy metal with potentially dangerous health impacts. Ingestion of lead is especially dangerous for young children because of their brains are still developing. The good news is that lead acid batteries are 99% recyclable. However, lead exposure can still take place during the mining and processing of the lead as well as during recycling steps. Very good reminder that cell phones are probably the Earth's greatest polluter. Uh, according to Johnny Green, the world's greatest environmentalist and the Earth's champion, he says they're the number one polluter on the planet. We tend to agree with him here at The Crude Life, so we sponsor him. And he went on to win the uh, Earth's championship based on that. So uh, good PSA, I guess. I, generally, they're a little more fun on the third one, but um, they are. So make sure you recycle. And the energy industry is continuing to be a leader in the environmental movement on the planet. When you take a look at the advancements that oil and gas has made, when you take a look at the advancements coal has made, quite honestly, uh, the United States especially leading the charge with the uh, clean air and some of the innovations to reduce emissions, it's, it's off, uh, out, out of this world. I mean, we've been decarbonizing for 150 years since Abraham Lincoln was in the White House, and we've been doing it uh, naturally, and we've been doing it as a species, so we've evolved and we've gotten off uh, carbon more. We started with burning hay and wood, you know, and coal and crude oil, and now natural gas, really, with one carbon molecule. All right, not that I'm judging provolone or telling you how to do your job, but again, I don't want to have a meeting about this later. I'm just looking at one headline here that I happened to grab over the weekend that caught my attention, which, you know, I noticed you're trying to do some kind of clever and different and non-oil and gas related headlines on the third one, which by the way, I applaud you for that. That's absolute, that's good intuition, okay? 
But you know, you, you get a little with the Fritchie with the environmental uh, batteries and the in that whole thing, which is again, which is just fine. But you know, like this one here, I kind of like this headline: "The world's oldest paycheck was cashed in beer." And it's a story about they found the world's oldest paycheck and they traced it back and they found that that person was paid in beer. See, now that that's that's esoteric energy right there that's throwing the script out thinking outside the box and saying at the at the same time it's saying who is listening to the crude life who is living the crude life all right let's take a quick second to mention our sponsor on today's program the crude life would like to thank nighton industries for sponsoring today's program, Knighton Industries is a full-service pump distributor servicing the oil and gas, industrial, and municipal markets since 1969. Knighton Industries offers parts, sales, and service of all major brand pumps along with a 24-hour service department and a full-service machine shop. Visit KnightonIndustries.com. Of course, our links are available at thecrudelife.com on our show page for today's Crude Life podcast. The Crude Life, every Monday through Thursday with a week in review on Friday. Welcome back to the Crude Life podcast. We're going to get right into Dr. Lauren C. Scott with our update with Louisiana's oil and gas industry and Lake Charles. Well, of course, Lake Charles, the thing that we think about when we think about Lake Charles is the LNG export terminals. I mean, they, they have two there now that are uh, well underway in actually producing oil, uh, excuse me, uh, liquefied natural gas for export to the world market. And also uh, they are adding more trains. Uh, for your listeners who are not familiar with this, what you do is you take natural gas out of the pipeline in gas form, like you have in your in your home uh, for, for heating, uh, and you run that natural gas through a series of uh, uh, machi- machines, and the machines brings that natural gas down to one six hundredth, it liquefies it, brings it down to one six hundredth of its volume. You put it on a big tanker, you take it overseas, they regasify it, use it to generate electricity or heat homes or whatever. And so what the, that series of machines is known as a train. And uh, Chenier and um, uh, Sempra, uh, who have, which is known as the Cameron LNG, are both not only producing now, but they're adding trains, additional trains, so they can produce even more. Now, there are in the wings uh, one more firm that has pulled the trigger and said, has made what we call a final investment decision and said, we're going to build another uh, facility, uh, LNG export facility. This is Venture Global. It said they're going to build one called the Calcasieu Pass, I believe it's called. There are at least two or three others, uh, including something called Magnolia LNG, uh, Driftwood LNG, uh, Lake Charles LNG, who are very close to pulling the trigger on uh, starting up their, uh, starting building their facilities, which are multi-billion, these are huge mothers. Now, an interesting little side note given our conversation today is that the increase in oil prices and the decrease in natural gas prices puts these firms that are thinking about building in an even better situation because number one, they're 
main input, natural gas, that price is falling. Number two, most of the natural gas that is bought, for example, in Europe uh, is imported by pipeline from Russia, and they price it off the price of natural gas. They take about 15%, excuse me, they, they price it off the price of oil. So they'll take about 15% of the price of oil, and that's what they'll charge per million BTU. Well, if the price of oil goes up, then that means that the price of importing that stuff from Russia is going to go up, which means they would much rather get it by LNG tanker from us, where we're using real low-priced natural gas. That makes sense? So this little this this 30 times number that I mentioned to you before is making some of these LNG projects now uh, more viable and and more interesting to investors. So that's another side effect of this Middle East bump. Mike mentioned one last thing since you mentioned Louisiana, and this Middle East bump is also very good for the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, the Gulf of Mexico rig count went from about 60 plus 65, let's say, rig count down to 20 as a result of the price decline that took place in 2014. And it's just now starting to creep up a little bit. And uh, this bump in, uh, in oil prices, if it can be sustained for a significant period of time, is going to make a number of um, potential well projects in the Gulf of Mexico become viable and make folks like Chevron and Shell, ExxonMobil, who are very big players in the Gulf of Mexico, pull the trigger on some of those, and I think help start reviving. Matter of fact, we're forecasting the rig count will go up at least to 35 over the next two years. Thank you, Dr. Lauren C. Scott, energy expert and economist. Of course, if you go to our show page at The Crude Life, all the links are available there as well. Take a brief pause, we come back in just 30 seconds or less. Miranda Meehan, North Dakota State University, discussing the reclamation workshop happening February 25th and 26th at the Ramada Grand Dakota Hotel and Conference Center in Dickinson, North Dakota. Miranda Meehan, just around the corner, right here on the Crude Life Podcast. Historic. The first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative. The cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking. The Davis Refinery. Miranda Meehan, NDSU Extension. Excellent. Thank you for joining the program here today. And talking reclamation... One of the first stories I did was the relationship between ag and energy, and I was blown away at how uh, just layered and integral the reclamation and the land and energy process was. So when I saw that there was a reclamation conference happening, and I believe, is it Dickinson? Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. It'll be our eighth annual North Dakota Reclamation so 8th Annual Reclamation Conference in Dickinson, I thought, oh, we got to get them on the air and talk about the conference as well as just some of the different speakers and topics to give people an idea at how, how integral and how advanced and how innovative and layered this uh, reclamation can be. So, uh, Miranda, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. 
So first off, the nuts and bolts, uh, when is it, where is it, and uh, give us that information. The conference is, as you had already stated, is in Dickinson, North Dakota, uh, February 25th and 26th, and it is at what was formerly the Ramada. Um, it's the, now it is the Roosevelt Grand Dakota Hotel. Oh, they changed the name, huh? The Ramada did? Yes, within the last week. Is the Spaghetti Western done too? The, the restaurant, you know what I mean? The, uh, I, I can't yes, remember. Okay, good. I, well, somebody email us and let us know, Jason, at thecrudelife.com. I haven't, uh, oh, I haven't been there in a while, but, oh, they changed the name. Okay, well, there we go. Uh, t- eighth annual, so you've had them in the past. Uh, what are some of the highlights from the past, and what can people expect this year? Uh, I just, I think the really big highlight is, we always have a great speaker lineup, but just the number of people from industry that we're able to bring together. Um, last year we had 275 attendees. So to be able to bring all those people together in one place, to be able to network and talk to each other, make those connections is really, really one of the, the biggest things that I think is an asset to attend this conference. Are you a uh, speaking? Are you attending? Are you the organizer? What's your affiliation? I am on the organizing committee since since the beginning. I've been a committee member in, in different facets. I have spoken in the past. I do, I do some reclamation research here at NDSU, um, but I am not speaking this year. Okay. Um, talk to me about some of the different areas about you know reclamation. We've had archaeologists on talking about some of the preventative side where they go out and they'll do site exploration and that sort of thing but there's after the well gets drilled and after whatever there there's something you know the land has changed there's a reclamation process that that goes on um different obviously depending on and on every different site but uh what are some of the different topics and some of the different uh areas that uh people can look forward to this year um, we're focusing a lot on technology that's really popular, the new technologies that industry is using and those new things that are available to industry, as well as ecosystem recovery. And so how can we manage this if reclamation has been successful? I imagine the EERC, the Energy and Environmental Research, is going to be part of this, either with speakers or iPipe. I don't know. They've been promoting that quite a bit over the last year, so I'm not sure if that's going to make its way into reclamation or not. But ERC involved this year? Yes, we do have a speaker with the ERC um, talking about the BEST program or the Brine Extraction and Storage Test Program. Um, we don't have anyone currently lined up with, from the, with the iPipe part um, since we had a speaker on that last year. Well, you guys had them last year, huh? Okay. Yeah, that's when about they started promoting it. Uh, at least that's when I started seeing it, about a little over a year ago. And I wondered if it would make its way into the rec- reclamation side of things. Do you guys break it into different areas, you know, pipelines from well sites to, you know, saltwater sites, that sort of thing? Or is it all just kind of engineers here and archaeologists here and land people here? It's all, it's, We've kind of reformatted. It used to all be just one session. Um, last year, we did a keynote, which we have a keynote the evening before and a trade show mixer with 
hors d'oeuvres and kind of gives people time to mingle and get to know each other and chat. And then the morning of the 26th, we have a general session that we're going to, this year we're going to focus on case studies. And then in the afternoon, after we will break into the concurrent sessions, which focusing on technology and then the other focusing on ecosystem recovery. You have a livestock in your title. Did I see that correctly? That is correct. Um, do you do much with the ag and energy relationship? I did a story on, on that, just the, the um, farmers and, you know, having, having wells on their property and just the interaction between the two. Does, you know, just kind of a sidebar from the reclamation side, you and your personal professional day-to-day, does that ever cross your desk, that sort of thing? wrapping up. It was a three-year research and extension project and as part of that we did discussion groups where we brought together industry and landowners to talk about some of the issues with brine spill remediation and um, bring them together and have that conversation which was really really great and then we we've done some tours and um, like highlighting some of the impacts there and some of the efforts that industry is making and the research that's being done specific to brine. To brine. In in would that be in terms of the water or I guess talk to me a little bit about that. Okay, that had been impacted by a brine spill. Okay. All right. All right. Um interesting. All right. So I, I find that stuff interesting. The average person probably wouldn't, I guess. But uh, I don't know. Does it go over well at cocktail parties? You know, so, talking about brine. <laughs> I think it depends on your. It depends on your group there. <laughs> yeah, that's a good answer there. So, all right. So let's get a wrap up once one more time. This is uh, February twenty fifth, twenty sixth, in uh, Dickinson at the uh, the Ramada Grand Dakota Hotel uh, Roosevelt. What was it again? Roosevelt, Grand Dakota, formerly the Ramada, Grand Dakota. That's what I remember it as. But you said just happened like this week. So um, I heard keynote. I heard mixer. I heard uh, conferences and I heard uh, speakers. But is it breakfast and lunch and dinners and that sort of thing? So give us the kind of the summary one more time of uh, what people can expect and how people can sign up and and uh, who the headlining people are. If you got any sponsors or still looking for sponsors, mention that too. Yeah, so our keynote is Dr. Tom DeSutter, who has been doing reclamation-related research here at North Dakota State University for some time. He is a soil scientist and um, done quite a bit of research in the Bryansville remediation area and then also um, was part of the group that was working on some of the research related to the Tesoro spill that had happened. Um, And so he's going to talk about um, current and potential remediation strategies for Bryansville. So what are we doing now? What's the future? Um, And how can we make some of that more sustainable? And then um, we kick off again Tuesday, the 25th. Registration at 4.30, keynote at 5.30, and then um, trade show mixer to follow. And then Wednesday, we kick off bright and early with breakfast at 7.30 and um, wrap up around 4 o'clock. We will have a full agenda out by the end of the week with 
that shows all features all our speakers and that is a bit will be available on our website you can also register there find out all the other information um, about the event about our speakers and that website is North Dakota reclamation.com um, we do have several partners for the conference um, including North Dakota State University Extension um, ARS the Society for Range Management, North Dakota Depart Department of Environmental Quality and Dickinson State University. And our current sponsors, we still um, have some sponsorship spots available as, as well as some booth spots. And that information also can be on the web, found on the website. But our current platinum sponsors are Martin Construction of Dickinson, Oasis Petroleum of Williston, and Golder and & Associates. And our current gold sponsors are H2 Enterprise and Chessexseed. So I would imagine there'd be a lot of geologists there and there would be, you know, professors and, um, and I would even imagine probably environmental engineers is even a thing these days. But uh, what type of people, by <laughs> what type of people, what uh, um, education and, you know, job titles and that sort of thing, do you primarily see at a reclamation conference? I could see in the past, for example, where it would be maybe a lot of the same, a lot of the same faces, you know, a lot of the same engineers and chemists and soil and field and water, you know, in the titles and things. But with the new environmental movement that's going on, are you, are you guys seeing new faces, new titles? I guess talk to me about uh, the, the people that do attend. Yeah, so it's, it's variable, um, especially when we have that many attendees. Um, we have a lot of students because we have um, from Dickinson State that will attend, as well as students doing research and reclamation from the, the local universities, um, from NDSU and from Montana. And then we also have you know, people that, um, professors, scientists that are, are doing research in this area or working in this area if they're in the private industry, um, environmentalists, um, environmental scientists, environmental engineers, a lot of people with um, the different industry groups are oil and gas companies. Um, also from the regulatory side, um, we have folks from North Dakota Public Service Commission, North Dakota Department of Environmental Quality, Forest Service, um, some of those groups that are managing the lands that are being impacted by oil and gas development. Any final thoughts? Anything we missed out on? Uh, I was going to just end with the uh, summary of the information, but then I was thinking with the environmental movement, boy, I bet you guys would have all kinds of people that would come to get different ideas on how to use it in all kinds of different areas. I mean, I, I just see where the reclamation side of things can be used in so many areas on the, on the preventative side and on the reactive side and on the public relations side and everything else in between. So uh, anything that we missed that uh, you wanted to make sure people knew about? I think we hit the high points. And if you do have any questions, you can check out the website and you can contact myself or one of the other people that are on the organizing committee our information is up there to listen to the full-length interview visit the crudelife.com
That's going to do it for today's The Crude Life podcast. I'd like to thank Miranda Meehan with North Dakota State University talking about the reclamation workshop coming to Dickinson, North Dakota, as well as Dr. Lauren C. Scott with an update from Louisiana, what's happening down there with the petrochemical industry, as well as the just overall general oil and gas economy down there. So thank you, Dr. Lauren C. Scott and Miranda Meehan. And of course, our entitled intern, Provolone. Thank you very much for the work you did today and the work you did leading up to getting this program and podcast done. The entitled intern, Provolone, thank you very much. Perhaps tomorrow you will be able to speak and have the, the voice button activated so you may grace the Crude Life podcast with your linguistical stylings and your articulation because you are oh so intelligentio. So, Provolone, thank you very much. Also, folks, we do want to mention we are on social media. If you go to the online part, you can certainly uh, check out our different social media pages. And we do have a newsletter. You can sign up for that as well. And the Crude Life podcast is a 30-minute daily podcast, which, of course, means that it could be longer than 30 minutes. And really, daily means Monday through Thursday with a week in review on Friday. Thank you for joining us here today, folks, from the staff here at the Crude Life Podcast. My name is Jason Spies, asking you to always remember energy is more than an industry. It's a way of life. The Crude Life, every Monday through Thursday with a week in review on Friday. Crude Life with host Jason Spees. My name is Jason Spees and this is the Crude Life Daily Update. On today's episode, we talk with Aaron Jordan of Blackwater Environmental. In just a moment, part of our exclusive interview with the president of Blackwater Environmental, Aaron Jordan. Basically, what happened was I was I started this company as a consulting firm where we would we had customers that we'd go in and we would do uh, tank inspections, we'd check their coatings, kind of give them a lifeline of, you've got so much time before this tank needs recoded or it needs it now, um, kind of thing. And we thought, well, you know, environmental is kind of a buzzword and it, it works for what we do because we keep, you know, tanks from leaking and polluting the environment. And we just kind of ran with it and we were doing a job in North Dakota and I got a call from one of our old customers, and he said, we got some guys painting the inside of the tank. It's going south. Winter's coming. You know, I think there's a blizzard on the on the forecast for that week, and they didn't want to pay any more money to heat the tank and do a whole bunch of things that you have to do when a blizzard comes in, you know. So we went in, and we helped them get the tank. They just needed a little bit of, you know, support and job management. Just getting the tank done is what it ended up being. And we helped them get it done. And then all of a sudden this customer of ours said, good. So you'll be up here in three or four months when the weather, weather breaks to do these other two tanks. And well, we don't do that anymore. And then all of a sudden they kept calling and calling and we had crews built and started buying equipment and we started repainting tanks and stuff again. So it, it really kind of came from the environmental 
you know, aspect of it is we're always trying to protect the environment, right? So a lot of things we do, it keeps oil and materials and things from hitting the ground. So we're, you know, protecting the environment. So it, it, it started out as kind of a buzzword. And, you know, if you read any kind of thing about companies that have environmental in their name, they figured out that you get like 15% more traffic through your site because of environmental. A lot of people more look more towards you. And that was Aaron Jordan, the president of Blackwater Environmental. To listen to the full-length interview or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. While you're there, be sure to click on our social media tab. We've got the Facebook, the YouTubes, even the Twitters on our social media tab. Follow, like, share. We appreciate all of the support. And we appreciate you listening to the Crude Life Daily Update. From the staff here at the Crude Life Daily Update, my name is Jason Spies, asking you to always remember, energy is more than an industry, it's a way of life. The Crude Life is sponsored in part by Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking. The Davis Refinery.